The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. This episode is sponsored by Unity.org. Discover the transformative power of inner voice, a tarot deck of affirmations. Explore your true self, seek guidance, and find empowerment through ancient wisdom and modern insight. To learn more, visit go.unity.org forward slash tarot. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. This is UnityOnlineRadio.org, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, offering support for your spiritual growth and addiction recovery. Here's Reverend Dan Beckett. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery on Unity Online Radio. We are glad you're with us today. I'm Reverend Dan Beckett here with co-host Reverend Michelle Vargas. Together, we share ways that spirituality and addiction recovery intertwine and work together to support your spiritual growth in your own recovery journey. Facebook users, you can send us your questions and comments anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Just click the send message button right below the banner. Be assured that your anonymity will always be respected. So please let us know what's on your mind. We'd love to hear from you. Today's show is titled Into Action. When we take action in our lives, powerful and positive changes begin to happen. In fact, action is essential to addiction recovery and spiritual growth of any kind. In scripture, we read, faith without works is dead. And many of us have experienced apathy and detachment when we don't, quote, move our feet on the recovery path. Today, we want to share our experience, strength, and hope on learning how to take effective action and build a vibrant life. We want to share with you what we were like before, what happened, and what we are like now, along with a spiritual tool or principle that helped guide us through the tough times. We hope you'll find something in our experience that will be helpful to you in your own recovery. So today we're going to talk about moving from apathy to vibrant life through the principle of living the truth we know. So when I think about apathy in my life, I mean, I still have a certain amount of that going on. I know we say that a lot, but it's just, it's always true. The, the, the ways that I used to be aren't, aren't completely gone. What's completely gone is uh, alcohol from my life. But the way that my mind uh, had always worked is still um, present in some form or other. And basically what's coming to mind is that what, what apathy looks like for me is a pattern of doing the same things over and over again. I mean, some, some of it's like a comfort thing, right? Do you have that thing where you, at, at any particular restaurant, there's the one thing Oh my that God, you I'm get, so bad. Like yes. that one menu item. Yes. And so what I try to do to mix it up some is get bold every once in a while and get something else. But I almost, 
almost always regret. Regret it. I was going to say, always regret it. Why didn't I get the thing I know I like? Now I remember why I get the thing that I love. Because this thing was okay, I guess. Yeah. So it's good for me, though, to, you know, to inject some sense of adventure, to do something different, to go somewhere different. And, And I don't mean to imply that I literally do the same things all the time. But as a creature of habit, I'm definitely a creature of habit. Um, as, uh, you know, my addiction would um, demonstrate having the same kind of go-to way of dealing with life, um, a general pattern of doing the same things over and over again creates, can create in me an apathy. Or as I'd heard it said in a song, uh, the rut that I'm in had once been a groove, right? I can turn a groove into a rut by just staying in it way too long. Absolutely. So easy to do that. I think most of us are creatures of habit, but maybe those of us in recovery have that even more because I think it's a comfort thing, right? I know when I order the same thing at the restaurant, it's because it's comfortable. I know what it's going to be like. I'm going to get that same feeling that I got last time I ate ate it. There's like a security in it. You know, I, I love to watch, um, late night reruns of like friends or sex in the city. And I've seen every episode 25 times. Like I know, like my mind is anticipating the lines before they come. Why would I want to watch them again? Right. But I've read a psychologist talking about that, that there's that familiarity and that comfort of knowing what's coming, you know, and some, so much of our lives are beyond our control. And so much of our lives are novel and surprising that I think that sometimes we really yearn for those things that are just, we know what they're going to be like. But <clears throat> when it comes to recovery, you know, we're, it's all about learning new behaviors and trying new things. And that can be really uncomfortable. Um, but I know that in early recovery, it was tough for me sometimes to try out some of the things that were being suggested to me, but I was almost always glad that I did. And I know that when I did participate in things or did things that I was suggested to do that I always end up, ended up feeling more a part of, like I felt like I was a part of this thing that people were talking about. So that's one of the good things that can come from taking action is just feeling engaged and feeling like we're a part of things. You know, another aspect of, it's not really apathy so much, but this um, lack of effective action for me is indecision. I have really bad indecision. And again, I think it could also be an addiction related thing. It's like a fear of making the wrong choice or a fear, you know, just, you know, it's that, that's basically what it is, a fear that I'm going to make the wrong choice. <clears throat> and now I don't have that as much. I can still be a little bit indecisive, but because I've learned that there are no wrong choices, that whatever I do, I'm going to learn and grow from, and it's going to lead to the next thing. I think a big thing that would get me stuck in indecision was I had this idea that, you know, I was going to mess things up by making the wrong choice. And so that's a really big relief to not have that because that that kept me in inertia a lot of the time, you know, Um, and I also didn't have I didn't have I wasn't in touch with an inner guide or, you know, God's guidance or that intuition that I've been able to cultivate somewhat over many years. And so I was just flying blind. Right. And now I don't feel that way anymore. So that's that that helps a lot with that indecision. Thank God. But that that kept me stuck a lot of times, just not knowing what 
choice to make. Yeah, that is a big difference. You know, I'm reminded of that phrase, the devil, you know, we yeah. tend to stick with the devil we know. Yep. And that, that I mean, that's not just a, an addict, alcoholic or codependent thing. I think that's a human thing. I'm yeah. just going to guess that um, we're wired for safety, yes. right, at a very low level. And so familiar is safe in that it's familiar. It's like, well, yep. I won't. I won't die if I do this because I've done this a bunch and haven't died. So mm-hmm. I'll just do the same thing again rather than risk uh, doing something different. You know, as you talked about um, making decisions, I find that I'm I'm very decisive, but I will choose the, the same things to the point like we're talking about the restaurant menu item yeah like i I can boldly decide i'm getting this you know which is exactly (laughs) the same thing i've gotten every time i've been there sometimes i will switch up my menu item that has happened but for me it's not being able to break out of familiar or you know what i think of as safe patterns that's the that's kind of the main thing i get uh, momentum in a certain direction or a momentum or a level of comfort with certain outcomes like I you know almost like where my stuff is on my desk I don't move my stuff around on my desk I like it where it is now you know if I wanted it somewhere different I'd put it somewhere different that kind of thing just not not stirring things up not making changes which to me the phrase that's coming next is not cause trouble you know not not create um not create difficulties yeah by for me creating things that are then going to take a lot of time and energy to deal with i figured out how to do this i'm doing it the same way so i can minimize my effort thank you very much i'll keep it the same so that of course um and there's upside to this too it's not as if having familiar patterns is inherently bad it's it's that inability to change them even when we know Mm -hmm. that we would be better off Like, uh, you know, I'm going to try a new menu item because I can feel that I'm afraid. Oh, I should challenge that fear. That's what I might do today. I should challenge that fear and and go for something different. And like you said, there are no wrong decisions, although I have had some uh, entrees that (laughs) this is wrong for me. We're not having a me and this entree are not having a second date. This relationship's going to end here on this first date. Oh, that's funny. Um, but you know, getting stuck is the thing. Familiar yes. is fine, but familiar to the point where I can't seem to change it out of fear. That's that's where it becomes negative. That's where it's running my life, and I'm. It's not supporting me anymore. It's it's uh, controlling me. Yeah. Yes. Well, humans really are creatures of habit and we do have such strong patterns. And, you know, when we come into recovery, that's all what we're about is trying to change. You know, obviously the biggest thing is removing the the main addiction. That's a huge pattern to change. But then, excuse me, we find that there are so many other patterns underneath that, that we also have to change. Right. I know that was like, that was a little hard for me was like, oh, everything didn't just get perfect because I quit drinking oh there were other patterns underneath here that were (laughs) and some of those patterns have been extremely tenacious and there actually is a psychological phenomenon called repetition compulsion where we are we are um, 
compelled to repeat certain patterns over and over again because of childhood issues. And those, those were frankly, for me, were the ones that were causing me the biggest problems and um, are extremely tenacious and require really a lot of diligent work to change them. They can be changed um, over time with lots of awareness and lots of work. But um, I know that I was sort of, I was, um, I was a, frankly appalled a number of times to find that patterns I thought I had things I thought I had worked on, I'd done step work on, I'd done therapy on, blah, 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 you know, and then to find the same pattern come up, it's like, oh, God, I've created the same thing again. <clears throat> so if that happens to you, you know, don't despair. It's really, it's so common. It's really common. And there are reasons why, you know, we don't recreate those patterns because we're bad people we recreate them because of you know usually family of origin issues and and things that psychologically we're sort of trying to work out <clears throat> trying to make them come out differently or something and um you know those are the those really troublesome patterns i think um are grounds for getting what we call in 12-step program outside help i that's my feeling about that is that some of those things really need outside help because they're so hard to change but they can be changed that's the good news so yes creatures of habit and those um those deeply ingrained patterns can be very challenging yeah i'm i'm also i echo what you're saying about outside help that there is a uh, a place for that in my life, I know, and it's been very important. One, one concept that I picked up early on, and I don't know that this is specifically 12-step, although it's present in 12-step and I see it, is that you build a, a network of support, right? And the network of support included, for me, includes a home group, right? Regular attendance at meetings, especially early on, um, a sponsor, uh, a list of phone numbers, volunteering to do something. You know, I've yep. I've done things from being the GSR to the, I was the uh, treasurer for the group for a while. Um, I took meetings into the local hospitals detox. You know, there's just things that are going yep. on that, that I could sign up for. And I did. And on top of those inside the program things, I also... Um, realized, and and I guess I'm going to blend some uh, unity stuff in a way, having a prayer partner became very important to me. I had a teacher that say that over and over and over and mm -hmm. over, get a prayer partner if you don't have one. And then just individual counseling has been important to me as well, just to process out loud everything that's, that's going on. It's like, it's like going to the gym, right? You talk yeah. about working out, it's good it's good for us to do those things. Yeah. You know, you wouldn't say to someone that goes to the gym four days a week, wow, you must be really out of shape. That's why <laughs> you have to go to the gym. Like, are you kidding? But we'd say that about <laughs> someone in counseling. Oh, you must be something wrong with you. you yeah. Know, you must be really bad shape. And like, no, I'm actually in really good shape. Because, <laughs> because I, I go. do this. Exactly. 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 Well, uh, we've talked a lot about this challenge of apathy and it's time to move out of the problem. We won't be apathetic and stay in it for too long. And of <laughs> course, we always, as we know, we need to tell the truth of our experience. We need to share what it is, but we also then need to move into the solution. So what is the solution this time? 
Well, in unity, we affirm that all of life is governed by spiritual principles. And the spiritual principle we have found helpful in moving out of that apathy and into vibrant life is unity's fifth principle, which states that it is not enough to just understand these spiritual teachings. We must live them in our lives. We must live the truth we know. Well, what does it mean to live a spiritual truth? How do we practice these principles in all our affairs, to use a a recovery phrase? What does that mean to live a truth? What does that mean for you? Oh, my goodness. I was just talking about this as I did a a five-week sermon series on the Unity's Five Principles, and we talked about this a lot, you know, that... um, this this fifth principle is what frankly and i'm just going to say it bluntly is what keeps us from being hypocrites right because you know and i and i was framing it within the idea that you know we're trying to appeal to younger people right as we as we move forward in unity and we're sort of an aging movement you know we're trying to figure out how to attract the younger folks and by younger for god's sake i mean anyone under 60 right i'm just talking about i don't mean like <laughs> the whippersnappers i mean those would be good That'd too be but too. i'm just talking you know and 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 the young people i guess uh maybe the millennials um and younger because the millennials aren't that young anymore actually the younger folks let's say they have a particular distaste for hypocrisy and they have yeah. no tolerance for churches that preach something on Sunday and then go and behave in a different way the rest of the week. They just, they don't want anything to do with that. I, I mean, I think it's great that these new generations have become intolerant of hypocrisy. That's awesome. Um, so, so you know, luckily in unity, we have this principle which says that we can't just go around, um, you know, <sighs> jabbering about all of these lofty you know, spiritual platitudes and then behave in a totally different way um, outside of church. It's just not, it's not the deal, you know. And I, and I love borrowing that phrase from 12 step. I actually used that in my sermon was that, you know, we need to practice these principles in all our affairs. And so, I just think that's such a great reminder for us all of the time is it's really easy to talk about these principles and stuff, but what happens... <laughs> Okay, here's where the, no pun intended, but the rubber literally hits the road for me is when I get in the car, like sometimes all my spiritual principles go out the window because I get so frustrated with people, you know, and and so it's, you know, we have to challenge ourselves. Can I, I can't sit, can't sit there in church and talk about, oh, peace and love and all this stuff. And then I get in the car and I'm swearing at people. I mean, I don't actually swear at them. Well, I do, but they don't know it. But do you know what I mean? It's like challenging ourselves to, oh, I've got to bring that into this also. You know, I, I can't, I've got to bring what I'm teaching, what I'm talking about, what I purport to believe. I've got to bring that into all my affairs, into my relationship with my spouse, into my relationship with my child, into my, you know, how I treat the person standing in line behind me or in front of me in the grocery store you know we've got to practice these principles in all our affairs and and i just think that's so important and it's uh the only way we're going to attract young people is if they see that we do that i agree and i'm i'm reminded of a a 
a saying that I heard from a teacher at some point that said, if you want a small enlightenment, go to a mountaintop. If you want a big enlightenment, go to the city for that exact reason that you're saying if yep. if i'm Real life. if i'm a hermit on a mountaintop it's really easy, easy to be spiritual all the time because nobody is there pushing my buttons and not driving the right way that i know the right way to drive is etc cetera, etc cetera. <laughs> i think driving on the roads is the perfect classroom for oh, all of this i often use examples of that because many of us most of us drive or have driven uh, so we have this experience in common and it's a place where, you know, we have well-defined rules and guidelines and most people follow most of them most of the time. Right. Right. But there is enough uh, uh, deviance from that either just, you know, I've made mistakes just because I'm not paying attention. You know, I became that guy that did that or did this yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And then sometimes, you know, I, it's clear that it's, people are doing things it's not just from not paying attention you know i don't know what's going on in their life i made a game out of making up a story like why is that person driving like such a jerk you know yes. meaning very aggressively and i can you know make up a story about some news that they just got yes. and they're distraught and it's really important that they get where they're going and it's yep. affecting the way they're showing up and now i don't know if that's true but i don't know you know it's as true as anything else it must I'm be true some of the time anyway. <clears throat> i'm making it up you know, as we go anyway. Yeah. So I, I always add um, to the fifth principle, it says, um, we must live the truth we know. And then I always add in loving service to the world, just to be super clear, that I don't mean sitting on my couch in my inner world, living the truth I know. Yeah. It's I believe it's meant to be an action statement out in the world. It talks, it talks like you're saying about how do I encounter others? right yes i can't go to church on sunday and you know talk about oneness and we honor all paths to god and then you know be looking down my nose at you know those that i don't like because i have personal issues and i'm yeah. deciding to make it about them when it's really not about them it's about me yeah so i always add in loving service to the world and so what what can that look like? It can really be as simple as taking responsibility for myself and my own actions. I mean, that's a place to start. Yeah. With it just showing up differently by not blaming other people and driving, you know, I I fail that test often, right? I don't usually yeah, sit same. there thinking, "Oh, that blessed child of God is just having a difficult day." I'm like, "Really? Really? That's what you're doing?" This is called the passing lane. Not your lane. <laughs> you know, I get an attitude like you're talking about. And I, totally and I know that do. that's not uncommon. And I don't beat myself up too much about it. I just recognize, okay, you know, there's work work to be done. I'm, I'm assigning meaning. I'm putting meaning onto other people. When I get mm -hmm. frustrated, afraid, or irritated, or whatever, yes, that um, hey, you know, I'm a person on the road too. I wish yep. all these people would just go home. Well, you know how I could make that happen? If I just went home, <laughs> problem solved, right? Literally, problem solved with my irritation at other drivers. If I'm not driving, problem solved. Yes. So we're talking today about taking effective action as, as a means to moving out of that apathy or that indecision or that inertia and moving into a life where we are really living this fifth unity principle. And so... It can be difficult to know what taking effective action means. 
And it has many parts to it. And frankly, the first part is just to suit up and show up, right? And we do a lot of that in recovery. We just show up. You know, some days that's all we can do is just show up and that's enough. Um, It always ends up being more than that, right? It always ends up being more than just showing up because either we learn something or we say something that helps someone else or, you know, there's always something to be learned in any situation, but specifically in any 12-step meeting. Um, But suiting and showing up also means uh, staying engaged, you know, staying engaged in our lives, not, not, you know, not, um, not going back into that apathy, not avoiding things because they're difficult, not, um, not, what am I trying to say? It's staying engaged in the recovery process. You know what I mean? Um, It's something that we have to get up and we have to live every single day in some way, even if it's a small way on that day, but it's staying connected to our recovery so that recovery isn't something that we just go and do when we go to a 12-step meeting. Recovery becomes something that we live in all of our affairs every day. Um, And so that just suiting up and showing up, showing up for our lives. I don't know if that makes sense. You know, it's, it's uh, not giving up, not pulling the covers over our head. And I mean, we may do that sometimes and that's okay if we need to do that on a certain day, but then when we're done doing that, we show up, you know, we suit up and we show up again. And um, that's a bigger thing than it sounds like, you know, to just suit up and show up is, is big because it's a statement. It's saying, you know, I, I want to move forward. I want to grow and learn. I'm going to show up and I'm going to engage in my own. I'm going to show up for my own life. I'm going to participate. I'm going to um, stay engaged in my recovery and uh, it's no small thing. So on the days that that's all we do, that's enough. I agree. I agree with that. Um, you know, it's reminding me, it can be easy to beat ourselves up by comparing our, our, ourselves to some ideal, right? If I'm thinking, well, I know better than this. Why am I still, you know, doing this or doing that or not doing this or that or whatever? And that's never helpful. You know, comparing myself to somebody else some standard that i've you know encountered somewhere is never helpful Uh, what is helpful is doing what we in the rooms call the next right thing right we're talking about taking effective action that's another way to me of saying uh doing the next right thing because doing the next right thing is always uh, effective because it it helps me move forward it keeps me out of apathy It, it allows me to practice um seeking guidance and then having the confidence to step forward based on what I feel my guidance is in that moment. Mm -hmm. So taking some kind of action and effective action for me is not motivated by fear. Although fear may motivate me to discern what the next right thing is, but I don't want to act out of fear, if that makes sense. You know, there's a difference between acknowledging fear, recognize it, maybe even you know, sharing it with a, a trusted friend that uh, just this is what's going on with me right now. But I don't want to act out of that, although I may turn within and, you know, seek guidance because, yeah, I'm really feeling this way and I'm, I'm uncomfortable. 
and uh, hold that thought because it's time for a short break. You're listening to UnityOnlineRadio.org, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. Yes, welcome back. We're glad you're with us today. If you're just joining us, my name is Reverend Dan Beckett, here with co-host Reverend Michelle Vargas. We will resume our discussion in a moment, but first we want to remind you that you can send us your questions and feedback anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Message us from there and let us know what's on your mind. Prior to the break, we were discussing first in the first segment, apathy and sort of inertia and indecision. Then we moved into talking about what it means to take effective action. So now we're going to talk about how living the truth we know has helped us to move out of that apathy into vibrant life. So vibrant life, I asked myself, what does that mean for me? It's, it certainly feels like the opposite of apathetic life or or apathetically living or whatever those words would be. And one thing that comes to mind is variety. Uh So sticking with our restaurant menu item thing, it's okay for me to have a favorite item and maybe I even get that uh, often, but maybe we go to a restaurant we've never been to before, or maybe I get something other than my, my favorite thing at the restaurant that we have been at before. What's that? What's that saying? Variety is the spice of life. Yes. I think there's a lot of truth in that. They've got to do some things differently. And to do that, I've got to be willing to step out at least to some extent of my comfort zone. And rather than going with the tried and true all the time to try something new and different, just to see what it's like, you know, I can always do the other thing. I already know how that works. I already know that outcome and I know how to do it. So it's not going anywhere. I'm not losing anything. I can do something different. So a vibrant life for me has variety in it. I'm sorry. I'm looking out the window. My son is shoveling rocks in our yard. I'm like, don't do that. <laughs> okay, sorry. Yes, so um, the variety thing, I like that because um, I what happened to me in early recovery was I had this sort of uh, like a rebirth kind of thing that happened to me where I realized ways that I had been stuck doing the same things and that I had really... Um, I had really begun to limit myself from doing new things, from trying new things, um, maybe out of fear. I'm not exactly sure what it was, but when I got a little bit of recovery, maybe a year or so, I had this like sort of renaissance experience where all of a sudden I felt freed up to try new things, you know, and it was really cool. Um, I can't explain exactly why that happened to me, but it was part of the recovery process. It was part of my spiritual growth was I I lost a lot of the fear that was holding me back, you know, and I felt suddenly like I could try new things. I could, I could do something I'd never done before. You know, I did stuff. Of course I was in my, you know, mid twenties. I, I, I started rollerblading. You could do that when you're in your mid twenties, right? Cause if you fall, you don't break everything. (laughs) But, you know, I'd never had the courage to rollerblade before. And all of a sudden, I became this crazy rollerblading queen, you know, out on the rec- 
the recreational path along the ocean here in Monterey, and I just loved it. And just different things like that. You know, I started reading authors I'd never read before, and I started just exploring things I hadn't had the courage or the impetus or the desire to explore before. And it was really wonderful. So that can happen as part of just sort of freeing up this. It's a freed up energy and really, I think, um, breaking out of fear, that fear that kept us stuck, you know, for so long. I just really experienced a new freedom. And it says that's one of our promises, right? We'll experience a new freedom. And I did experience that. So, And a new happiness. You know, I'm remembering that that phrase in that song, take the long way home. You know, sometimes you just take the long way home for no reason. Go, go from the office back home or whatever it might be. Go uh, to a familiar place, but just take a different route for no reason at all. Don't make it about taking the fastest route yeah. there. Just take a different route and see what happens. Um, challenge is another aspect to me of a vibrant life. So it's, I mean, I guess it's related to variety, but um challenging myself maybe with a new skill or or trying something that I'm not sure how it's going to turn out, but that seems like it could be fun. You know, not, not just doing the things that I feel confident I would be good at by, by doing things that I have no idea if, you know, this is outside my comfort zone, we say, or, or as I've heard it say, if you, if you really want to have a vibrant life, you have to get out of and stay out of your comfort zone. Yeah. You basically have to live outside of it. So always um, have some things happening that are new and different and challenging and um, not everything. I'm not a daredevil. Right. I don't have no. that gene. Some people do, and that's fine. I don't have that gene, but it's good for me to be doing something that's outside my comfort zone. Um, yes. I don't want to say at all times, but as a habit, that's probably the best phrase. Make a habit out of challenging myself with new stuff that I don't yeah. really know anything about yeah and that, that's a form of of variety mm-hmm. and it could be as simple as I mean you don't I don't need to change the world right right I could just take the long way home that might be a challenge if I'm you know if I'm always uh, focused on getting home as quickly as possible maybe I just let that go yeah take the scenic route yeah, so you had me there for the first couple of minutes. I kind of zoned out on what you were saying because I was trying to figure out who sang that song, Take the Long Way Home, and it's Super Tramp, right? Super Tramp. Super yeah. Tramp. Okay. Oh, my mind won't let those kind of things go until I figure out who it is. I think I had that album, Breakfast in America. Oh, it was oh that was it a was good massive. album. That was a good album. We're talking like the 80s. We're old, folks. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember if it was 1980 or 81. Yeah, that was good. Kippers for breakfast. That's what we all learned from that album, right? We learned what kippers were. Remember? Could I have kippers for breakfast or something like that? Mommy dear, mommy dear. Okay. (laughs) I don't think I ever knew what that line actually was. Well, I'm the kind of nerd that I probably looked it up to figure out what it was. (laughs) I think it's fish or something weird that British people eat. (laughs) Anyway. Yes. So what I was thinking about, another thing that sort of got freed up for me, and this is sort of related to the thing I was talking about before, um, was learning to play, be more playful. You know, I was prior to getting sober, I was very regimented. You know, I had myself very, like, I had to 
I don't know. I just was very regimented. You know, I, I had to work and then go to the gym and then clean my house. And then, you know, I just, that was how I felt safe and orderly. And, um, probably frankly, how I kept myself from, um, from, you know, having too much free time where I might not feel comfortable in my own skin or might be up in my head or whatever. And, you know, when, when I didn't have, so that was the role that the alcohol played, right. To make me feel comfortable and all of that. So when the alcohol was removed, you know, it was like, Oh, but I began to replace that with um, play, you know, play is so important for human beings. And especially in our American workaholic culture, we don't do enough of it. And um, that's what I started doing in in recovery I started finding things that I love to do like I said like rollerblading like hiking like bicycling you know um playing games I discovered board games we had this group of sober women we used to get together um you know like on Friday whatever some one night a week and play board games now I had never wanted to play board games since I was a kid you know I thought how stupid like why would you do that unless it's like drunk monopoly or something but you know I discovered that hanging out with other sober women and playing board games and laughing our heads off could be a whole lot of fun and so anyway I'm a big proponent of play it's crucial for human healthy living and and also along those same lines as rest you know I I did a restful thing yesterday I went to this place out in Carmel Valley called Refuge where you pay to get in there and it's got all of these um hot hot pools and cold plunge pools and a dry sauna and a couple of eucalyptus steam rooms and you can stay there as long as you like and do the hot cold thing you know and then wrap yourself in a fuzzy robe and sit by a, a fire pit and just chill out and feel the endorphins and um, I spent three hours there yesterday just taking care of myself and resting you know and that's the kind of thing that I can do now in recovery that I couldn't do before and I see the value of now so play and rest so crucial to our health as human beings yeah I'm reminded well for one thing I wrote that down because that sounds awesome and I want to go there now uh, yeah. but also reminded of balance I mean what you're talking about is balance and we talk about that a lot it's so incredibly important so a vibrant life for me I have to balance I have to balance doing with being right? yes. it's not good to do too much of one or the other and it sounded like you were you were uh, to use an oxymoron. You were doing some being. Yeah, <laughs> at the I was, I Carmel was, Valley. I was being practicing being might be a better phrase. I've got to balance go with stop. Yeah, right. Uh, my my spouse is an Enneagram nine, and Enneagram nines I understand have sort of two modes: go and stop. Oh. And if they go, they don't want to stop. It's go, 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 go. And when they stop, it's hard for them to get <laughs> going. So I realize, oh, we all have that to some degree. I need to yep. balance go with stop also. Mm-hmm. And, and and also balance like accomplishment with, um, I came up with acceptance mm-hmm. as sort of a, I don't know if that's an opposite, but to me that that describes a balance of, you know, getting things done, accomplishing stuff, crossing things off my list with just letting everything be okay exactly the way it is. I don't need to accomplish this, that, or the other thing to be yes. okay, uh, as long as I'm keeping those things in balance. So yeah, a vibrant life is a balanced life for me. 
Yeah, I saw this meme the other day, which I, of course, liked and reposted something along the lines of like, I don't want to hustle anymore. You know, I don't want to live in hustle mode. I just, it's not that I'm lazy or I don't want to work or I don't want to do meaningful activity, but our culture is just so off the charts, you know, unbalanced, you know, to the point where, I mean, I don't know, it's that puritanical work ethic heritage thing we have where, I mean, it's it's well documented. Americans work more hours than any other industrialized nation, take less time off, less vacation time. I mean, it's just ridiculous. And it doesn't necessarily make us more productive. In fact, I think there's a lot of research that shows that it makes us less productive or that those extra hours that we spend are not productive hours. And it can be really hard to give ourselves permission to play or rest. Um, because our culture says that we should be hustling all the time, you know, and I have that so ingrained in me. My parents were, you know, uh, professionals and very career driven. And um, I can sometimes feel like, well, you know, I should be, I should be writing a book that all unity churches should be using and I should be on the speaker circuit and I should be doing all these things, you know? And um, then I saw that meme, you know, and I was like, you know, screw it. Like, I, that's not what I want. I want a work-life balance, you know. I want to be able to take a day like I did yesterday and, and give my body rest and nourishment. And, you know, I want to hike and spend time in nature. And I want to sit and love on my dog and hold my cats. And I, those are the things that are important to me. And the great thing about recovery is we get to create the life that we want, you know. And if we think about all the time we used to waste in our addiction, whatever that addiction was, I guarantee we wasted a lot of time on it and probably a lot of money on it too. You know, so we can take an hour or a couple of hours a day to do something that is enjoyable to us, that is nourishing to both our bodies and our souls. You know, um, we get to create that life of balance where it's not all work and it's it's um, play and rest and enjoyment and time with friends and all of those things that make life worth living. Yeah, yeah. A lot of time, energy, money. Oh yeah. Goes into maintaining any, like you say, any addiction, no matter what it is. Yep. You know, anything from chocolate, uh, which is a current favorite of mine. We talked <laughs> about that before. The chocolate, you know what chocolate does for me? It reminds me why it's a really good idea that I don't drink. Because if I drank, I have a feeling it would follow the same pattern as my chocolate eating, which is not a good thing. Not moderate. Now, do you do you, no. is it dark chocolate though? It's dark-ish. I don't like the darkest dark, dark chocolate. I mean, I'm I perfectly keep happy more with more. milk chocolate, too. Okay. Yeah, because yeah. I keep reading about how good dark chocolate is for you. It's one of oh, those yeah. things that's in the Mediterranean diet or something. 800 calories a day minimum. That's what I say. No, yeah. that's probably what I <laughs> left to my own devices. I could sit there and eat 1,000 calories of chocolate easily. Yes, but it's so good for your heart and all the antioxidants. Yes, and- that's right. How many calories did you drink a day? Oh, I, I, you know, that's a really good question. I've got, I don't know. Alcohol is a lot of sugar and a lot of calories with no benefit, whereas the chocolate has benefits. So listen to me giving you permission to indulge in your addiction. Yeah. So whatever, (laughs) so whatever it may be, it takes a lot of time, energy and money. uh, Very likely. Yeah. Um, So here's a, this is a prosperity principle that I want to share, but that also, uh, is an answer uh, to, to me, answer to the question, what is effective action? How, what effective action can I take? 
um, to help me uh, live a vibrant life. And one, and one of them is it's in the form of a question, right? So this is one of those questions that you don't really want to answer, right? We say, well, why ruin a perfectly good question with an answer? Because as soon as I answer a question, my mind is closed. That's not how God works. My mind stays open as God is open. So the question is, how can, how can I be of benefit to others? Or as a sponsor has said to me many times, if I'm feeling down, what have you done for other people lately? <laughs> you know, knowing the answer is not, not a whole a, lot. <laughs> right. And then that's if that's if I'm using G rated language, it's, right. it's nothing. I've done nothing. Cause it's, it, you know, being down is a very self-centered thing to do. And I, and I don't mean to demean uh, experiencing depression, which I have most of my life to some yeah. degree or other. That's just something that I manage. I don't consider it a problem now. I think it has been a problem in the past, a problem made worse by uh, alcohol, which ironically, of course, was my solution to it um, became probably the biggest driver of it i'd had a therapist ask me once um what i thought about you know what's going on with my depression given the fact that i was consuming a, a depressant in large quantities <laughs> i'm like i don't see the connection what are you talking about i don't even get it so what that's different that doesn't matter that doesn't apply took me a while to realize that it did but how can i be a benefit to others so what could i do what have i done for other people lately for no reason at all not for accolades not for, to make money not to be mm -hmm. seen a hero maybe even join what what i've heard us uh in the rooms called a secret service right i'm going to go do something that's helpful for others in a way that nobody knows that it mm -hmm. was me that did it and then i'm going to resist the urge to tell all my friends right or I post it on facebook what i did and really <laughs> keep it right i like to do things anonymously and not take any credit guess what i did today yeah facebook family i know no, that, i that's, see people uh, doing that right that's that's like um having a humility oh. contest right my humility is greater than yours I'll it's like one. charity porn you know, yes, they exactly, film themselves right. going up and giving something to the homeless person. It's like, oh, oh, it's cringy. Isn't it is it? cringy. Yeah. It so anyway, cringy. how can I be a benefit to others? It's 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 remarkably healing for me just to get out of myself for a little while to yep. stop thinking about myself, my life, my situation, me, 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 me. Right. Oh, and yes. instead to think, what can I do for somebody else? What, you know, just make something up google it get out mm -hmm. walk around the neighborhood say hello to people you know be mm -hmm. kind put coins in parking meters if you still do that kind mm -hmm. of thing you know it could be anything yeah i remember one example that i'll use something very simple we used to go to a swim club you know they had basketball courts and tennis courts and swimming and just sort of family rec center or whatever and they had vending machines right and this was before you could use a card with a vending machine. oh yeah so, you know, kids always, always bugging their parents. Can I get potato chips or whatever? Anyway, I would get something for our kids who were asking the same questions. And I would just leave the change in the little change thing. Or I'd even take some change and just put it in there. Yeah. And you'd think that people some won the lottery. Find <laughs> They'd find a quarter in the change thing. And it's like, this is that made their day. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, you know, I could sit nearby and see it happen without... Anyone knowing that I had it. anything to do with it. And it was a yeah. joyful, such a simple, joyful thing to do. Yeah. If you're listening, I'm going to suggest that if you sat down, like you make a gratitude list, just start brainstorming a list of things you could do for other people, you know, that are, that are fun for no reason at all. 
to be of selfless service, to join the secret service, come up with a list, go get a coffee and, you know, leave money for the person behind you or what have you. Right. And if you're not sure how that works, watch that movie, pay it forward. Remember that movie? It's sort of what started that whole thing of. I don't, but I like that. Yeah. Helen Hunt was in it, but yeah, that was, that was sort of the beginning of that pay it forward concept. You know, and that's awesome. And you're absolutely right. The best thing we can do to get out of our own misery is to help someone else. And um, the things you mentioned are awesome and all kinds of ideas like that of things we can do for other people. And the other cool thing is that we can help someone else at the same time that we help ourselves just by showing up to a meeting and sharing our truth and being that butt in the seat, as we like to say. Um, just, you know, that is a service and just because it's benefiting us also doesn't mean that it's not also a service. Um, or maybe there's a day that we don't really feel like we need a meeting, but we go anyway, because somebody else in that meeting needs to hear what we have to say, or somebody else in that meeting just needs there to be another butt in the chair at that meeting. You know, as we always say, there was somebody in that chair when I came in. So, you know, I can be that that person for someone else and so that's just the really cool thing about the way um the way that the 12-step program works is that by showing up and participating engaging being a part of sharing our own truth and our own you know sharing really whatever is just going on with us but uh sharing our own wisdom that we've gained and how we did it and what helped us that is a huge service to someone else sitting in that meeting and maybe they come up afterwards and they tell us how brilliant our share was and we feel really good about ourselves and stuff i know i like that but um maybe we never know how what we shared helped someone else you know but we can assume that it does it helps that it's not yeah. lost you know it's it's never lost and we're probably never going to hear from that person that it helped, or they may not even have realized. I mean, I know I've thought back about things that people said. I never told them, but it had an impact on me. So we can have that same impact. I've I've had those same experiences many, many, many times just by showing up. Like you say, just by showing up. Well, we've said a whole lot about this topic. So let's step way back if we can and see if we can find a concise way to sum it up. And we like to do that in the form of kind of like a hypothetical question. So Reverend Michelle, if someone came to you and and said, you know, in a nutshell, what are a few simple ways? So we're we're just looking at a recap. What are a few simple ways I can put spiritual principles into action in my life in this way? What what might you say? Oh, gosh. Well, I like that suiting up and showing up um, because suiting up and showing up could mean showing up to a meeting, even when we don't feel like it. Or it can mean just suiting up and showing up for our own lives. What I mean is, you know, like what we've been talking about, staying engaged in the process, um, not giving up, you know, doing something small each day to move ourselves forward on the recovery journey. And it doesn't have to be something big. It could be something really small, you know, but just staying, staying the course, so to speak, um, you know, staying engaged in our own recovery, um, that keeps us moving forward on that path. So yeah, suiting up and showing up. Yeah. I I find the the simplest things often end up being the most powerful, the most helpful. Yes. 
So my answer, what are a few simple ways to put spiritual principles in the ac action? Now, this is a fairly broad, you know, question. Um, I go back to the basics of, of unity and of recovery or of any spiritual path, turning within, mm -hmm. you know, taking some time apart, yeah. quiet time, anywhere, anytime, just to turn within. And as, as my minister used to ask, you know, how is it with you mm -hmm. in this moment? How is it with me? Yeah right now just check it mm -hmm. out and see there's no goal just notice yeah. um, and then take uh, what I call divinely informed or spiritually informed action mm -hmm. right if there is action to be taken it may I may realize that while I'm taking some time apart and turning within and then I can make the decision whether I'm going to do that or not uh, simple things be helpful in your home group have a home group you know, one thing we didn't focus on a lot, but that we could have is just literally just doing all of the things that we talk about 90 meetings in 90 days, join a home group, volunteer to do something, get a sponsor, work the steps, just those things right there are uh, surefire ways to create a vibrant life. Ask what you can do to help in your home group. Yes. Well, as always, we have an affirmation for you to end out our program. And our affirmation today is, I seek divine wisdom and I am guided to take effective action for my highest good. Yes. And once again, I seek divine wisdom and I'm guided to take effective action for my highest good. Well, it's happened again. You've given yourself the gift of another hour listening to Spirit of Recovery, and we're grateful that you have. We hope that you've found something in all of our ranting today that will be genuinely helpful to you in your own recovery. Thank you, Reverend Michelle, as always, for our discussion. And thanks to all who are listening to the podcast via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. We bless you wherever you are on your own recovery journey. Yes, and listeners, as always, you can connect with us throughout the week on our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Go ahead and drop us your comments and thoughts. We would love to hear from you. And we invite you to join us again next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central. And until then, don't drink like my co-host. And whatever you do, don't drink like my <laughs> co-host. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Do you ever feel that calling that you should be doing more with your life? If you're unhappy with the status quo, I can help. My name is Elias Patras, and I'm an intuitive motivator, psychic medium, and motivational speaker. I know that feeling, and on my podcast, your inner voice, I can help you answer that call to step into your life's purpose. I will show you how to recognize and listen to the signs and signals that are all around us and help you tap into your intuition. Join me for the show here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and wherever you get your podcasts. Let's connect, educate, and grow 
on this journey together.